Welcome to the Wedding Film Academy podcast, your go-to source for learning to create stunning wedding films and run a successful business. Here's your host, Lumix Luminary and wedding filmmaker, Jordan Bunch. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Wedding Film Academy. Uh, I am super excited. Uh, We've been having a really incredible series on storytelling so far, Um, but I am especially excited um, for our guests from Pin Weddings. Um, They are not only amazing wedding storytellers, um, but they're also educators in this space, and so it's really great to have... um, you know, someone who's been teaching this to, uh, you know, to to tons of people, whether it's through other people just watching their films and learning from watching the way that they tell stories, to actually hosting retreats uh, for wedding filmmakers. Um, and so just super excited um, to have the Pendergrafts here with us. Why don't you guys introduce yourselves? I'm Rick. <laughs> and I'm Sarah. <laughs> Thanks for um, having us. Yeah, this is yeah. super fun for us. So we're excited to be doing it. And we love that you're doing a focus right now on storytelling. So that's a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, as you guys know, it's a, it's a fairly new podcast. This is going to be, I think, episode nine. Oh, we record these in advance uh, for our listeners who don't know that. But um, yeah, so it's a fairly new podcast. We kind of started off with the junk food, talking about gear and that kind of thing, um, which, you know, we all like to nerd out on. Um, but uh, this is this is the important stuff, right? The really telling good stories. That's what sets us apart as filmmakers. And that's what, you know, that's what makes something truly special for our clients. And, and truthfully, that's what gets us paid more. Um, to tell better stories and so so this really is like if there's if there's anything that we can do that's important it's it's teaching people to tell better stories Um, and so i'm excited to have two people who i consider masters of of wedding film um wedding storytelling um and so tell us it's always fun anytime i have a new guest on i just I love hearing the story of how people got started because everybody has kind of a unique story, and I always think it's it's got some uh, it's got some comedy in it usually, and all those kind of things. And so, anyways, you know, tell us how did you get started in this? You want me to start and you finish, or you sure. want to tell the whole you thing? Can start. You can start. <laughs> Go for it. We um, so both of us worked in television before this, and we had just gotten married, and. Um, got our wedding video back from a guy who we had both worked in TV with. And so actually, uh, you know, booked sight unseen. Like we, we were the typical people who assumed all wedding videos were like, you know, cheesy and had yep. bubbles and bells and swans and weird animations. And so just when our friends, a couple of friends were like, Oh yeah, you know, use, use so-and-so he's like, it's a, he could get this cool little highlight and whatever. And we're like, Oh, okay. So book sight unseen. Um, and when we got it back, I turned to Rick and I said, you know, this is the kind of thing we could do this. And this is the kind of thing we would love doing. Like we've always loved storytelling and editing. That was really our favorite thing to do in news. So I'm like, Oh, we could totally do this. Yeah. So she says we could do this. And I was like, well, yeah, of course we could. And I thought that was going to be the end of it. 
<laughs> and about a week later, she comes and goes, okay, I've booked three weddings. We're going to do them free just to get our reel going. <laughs> we're going to get a cameras from so-and-so. We're going to get our tripods over here. And I was like, whoa, wait, wait. You were serious about this wedding video thing? And she's like, heck yeah, I'm serious. And so that's kind of how it all it all unfolded. That's amazing. So he didn't believe it. I was like, we talked about this. He was like, I thought you were just like speaking in hypotheticals. I didn't think you meant it. That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, you sound like me, Sarah. Like just like <laughs> talk about an idea really briefly, like some huge idea, like life altering type thing, and then you just do it. You know? <laughs> oh, why not? And it's you know, it's not like we. I think it was a year or two later um, that I quit my full time job, so it wasn't like a you know quitting job, no income, sure, on the moment kind of thing. But definitely like, yeah, let's try this. Yeah, let's do it. So how many? You no, know, I have I have ahead. I have brilliant ideas too. That I come up with, and I say it, and she's just like, yeah, I guess. And that's all. No. And it never, it never goes anywhere. He's else. leaving out the fact that I do analyze everything, and uh, I did analyze the wedding thing. And I never say yes right off the bat. I analyze and plan. And Yeah, yeah she does. That's awesome. Very cool. Anyway, that's our fun story. Yeah. I love it. The, the abridged version. Yeah. So how many, you said you quit, like, what, a year and a half into it, you said? Um. Yeah, I think it was about... It was a year, a year after we had officially started our business. Like Rick said, we did a few weddings for free sure. to just get a demo reel together, and I think um, did one or two others like at a super low price. But like hadn't hadn't even set pricing yet, hadn't launched a company, hadn't made a name, anything. Yeah. Um, and then we actually started our company um, in two thousand nine, and okay. I quit my job summer of two thousand ten. So did yeah, y'all did y'all both quit then or? No, I didn't stop uh, doing my job until I guess it'll be two years this July. Oh, okay. So it's been it's been over a year and a half so, now that I've been full time. So you, you were still working in TV at the time, or uh, I was still a sportscaster for our local ABC affiliate. Oh, nice. Until, until then, yeah. Okay, so that's where Which that that's where that nice I voice hate... is coming from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and it meant I hated football season, and I hated NBA playoffs because mm. there were several times where Every his night. availability was. Yeah, and we had other shooters to work with us when he couldn't, but it was, it was pretty stressful. Yeah, she was some... the she was the worst Thunder fan in the state. She she loved our NBA team, yeah. but when it came to playoffs, she was always like, "Okay, when are they going to get knocked out? Because I need you before June, whatever." Uh, that's awesome. Very cool. So, uh, you know, I think. I was going to ask you a question, but I think I may have you guys back on later because um, one of the, one of the series that I've planned for later on down the road is husband and wife team. So I'm just so interested <laughs> in the dynamics that you guys are talking about. My wife and I don't work together um, on on this. My wife, uh, she's a trained speech pathologist, um, but she's stay at home mama now, um, and we we really like our our the rhythms that way. But I'm so intrigued by people who are doing this full time with each other. So we'll have to talk about that another time. Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I almost got on a tangent there because I'm just so interested in hearing about this. But but we want to stick to this topic here. We only have an hour together. And so we want to stick to the topic of telling stories. And so um, I think a fun a fun question is just, what's your favorite wedding story you've told? Or, or, that's not fair. Okay, well, you know, and and <laughs> you can. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be the absolute favorite. So I'll give you the caveat of, it can be one that you just really like. You know, I mean, it's it is hard. To, I understand that. Like, it's really hard to choose a favorite. But think of one that you just really 
really moved you. Tell me, tell me what that story was like, what that wedding was like. I, I have, who are you thinking? I was thinking about Chris and Carrie. It was one of my favorite ones. Yeah. There's, I was thinking Chris and Carrie and Chris and Sarah, two very opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, so. You tell one or two. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> we only have an hour. <laughs> we, well, and that's been the nice thing is the more, over the years, the more we have put this out as our style, the more people have sought us out for that. Yep. And it's even snowballed into um, people being willing to share some pretty difficult stories, the kind of thing you wouldn't normally think people would share in a wedding film. And so so we have some that are all over the map, and that's why it's hard to pick a favorite, because some are just really fun stories. Yep. Um, some are really hard stories, right. but emotional touching. But yeah, so... Um, the one that Rick said, Chris and Carrie, he, uh, he's, the groom is a really big planner, real, like, you know, type A, plan down, every little detail type personality. And he had this big proposal planned and it was up in the mountains and he ended up getting like major altitude sickness, like hospitalized mm. altitude sickness. Wow. Um, and so aside from the whole thing of this surrounding him wanting to propose to her, it was really emotional for both of them. And he said, and this is like when we first met him when we first met we only met him she wasn't available um and he told us this you know whole crazy story and how he got really emotional and was like i you know i felt so sick i was worried i might die and i'm like i can't die without telling her how much i love her wow. i can't die without proposing wow and so we knew we wanted to tell the story on the wedding day but um carrie was actually really nervous about it because it was like scary for her you know sure, she, yeah. she wasn't sure she wanted to tell this story on her wedding day because it was a pretty bad memory for her um but when he explained you know kind of his take on it and when we said here's how we want to tell it you know it's just showing how he felt about you then she was cool with it but still got pretty emotional i'm sure yeah telling it um on the wedding day yeah so that made for a really emotional story. And that really, I mean, it was just um, an emotional day all around. I mean, mm. and whether it was their vows, they did personal vows, they wrote letters, um, really sweet toast. I mean, that was just one where you had a ton. I, I feel like I'm being really redundant now, but just a ton of emotion in the whole day. And the story was super fun to tell. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you want to, Tell Chris and Sarah. Sure, or, and our other which couple, that one's really convoluted. Yeah, our other <laughs> couple that, that's really special. I mean, they're all. I mean, it's hard. You know, like you say, it's hard to pick that one story because yeah, they're all sure. unique and, and mm -hmm. special. But the ones that you know that really touched our hearts. You know, you know, there's one. Her name is Chris. I mean, her name is um, Sarah, and um, she had an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. And the guy that she was marrying um, was a little bit older than she is. Um, and his first wife was uh, a mentor to her and kind of helped her along the way um, in her eating disorder wow. and, and kind of helped her push her in, in the right direction to get to get well. Wow. And somehow, you know, it came full circle and they they got back to, you know, they got together. Uh, but to she get, didn't know him. She knew of him. She, yeah, she knew of him, but didn't know him, know him. And somehow they got they got put together and he then help push her um to get totally better wow and it was just this 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 incredible circle of life kind of thing yeah um to where she overcame you know the eating disorder 
and uh, it was really, I mean, we, we sat down, we did an actual sit-down interview with them after the ceremony, or after the, the wedding day, and they're just Because we knew that was going to be yeah. and a it, hard story to They're tell. just, they're telling the story, and I'm off in the corner kind of, you know, <laughs> oh, for wiping the tears for sure, away. yeah. Unreal. Because his, I, sorry, did, I don't know if you mentioned this or not, but his first wife passed away. Oh, yeah, his first wife passed away, sorry. Yeah. And so, oh, yeah. there, yeah, it's, um, and so it was real uh, emotional, not only the two of them and the fact that she had known his first wife and had a great relationship with her, but also um, that he brought children into the marriage and, mm. you know, the whole thing of, um, you know, telling the kids, your mom is you know, always a part of this family and we want to honor her memory. And, um, and we've had a few different things like that with family history. And, um, we had one video several years ago where the groom said vows to the little girl and that's awesome. that one just like broke everyone's heart. I mean, oh, like in yeah. a good way, but everyone was so emotional over that one. And that one went like crazy viral on YouTube. Like I'm sure. Yeah. I think now it's like 8.7 million views or something. Wow. It's like, it's nuts. So yeah, the really, um, and like Rick said, we could go on for days, but you know those really emotional stories mm. are definitely stand out in your mind. Yeah, when you're when you're telling a story that is that has such baggage with it, like a story of you know a bride who had an eating disorder, um, how do you kind of how do you go about that in a way that feels like you're honoring the bride? Or is it is it like in the conversations you've had up with them leading up to it that you feel like you understand them well enough that you, you know, kind of know how to walk that line? Or what what is it that you're doing to be able to, you know, do that in a way that, that shows honor to her? I think part of it comes from having that relationship to where we know just how far they're willing to go, how much they're willing to say. You know, yep. we flat out say are you cool with saying this on camera? Like you want this to be part of your wedding film? Cause we had another couple where, um, overcoming drug addiction mm-hmm. was part of their story. Yep. And so when it's something like that, we make it really clear. Like, what are you willing to share? What do you not want public? Um, cause you know, from a storytelling perspective, we see it as something really gripping and something that could really impact other people and have a real positive impact on other people. But we also know this is their wedding video. Yep. This this isn't a testimonial for some, you know, recovery center or whatever. This is their wedding right. film. Um, so I guess a big part of it is just making it real clear with them how much they want to share, how much they're willing to share, and making sure that that's not, even though that's part of the story, we don't want to focus overwhelmingly sure. on that. Yeah. We still want to show just the happy celebration and... um the the happy toast and the fun and yep. and I know it's funny um there've been some debates recently a couple different ones on some of the Facebook forums about storytelling and what makes a wedding video good and what makes a wedding video not good and whether it's boring and whether it's a real story and you know one of our things is we want to tell a story as much as possible but we still do want to focus on the wedding itself yep i don't want someone to get their wedding film back from us and be upset because mom and dad aren't in it. Grandma's not in it. Um, you know, that we didn't actually show the wedding. We spent so much time talking about the backstory that we didn't really show much of the wedding. I think you have to decide style wise, you know, which direction you want to go. But, um, 
I guess that was a pretty long answer to that. But no, yeah, that's we, great. You know, we just want to know how much they're comfortable sharing, and then we still want to balance it with the wedding day itself and still showcase their wedding and the other people there. Yeah, and the couple was really open to tell that story. Um, and even in the toast, it came out. Um, mm. In the dad's toast and, and the bride's toast. Um, and there, even in the vows, you know, I think we focused, or Sarah focused more on the love uh, that the two had that conquered the the eating addiction. It wasn't so much a focus on the fact that eating uh, the eating disorder um, as a whole, but it was the love that they both shared, yeah, uh, and that that ultimately won out over the uh, the addiction that she had. Mm. Disorder. Or disorder, yeah. Sorry, I guess we all, the, I guess yeah. we all have eating uh, addiction. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say the word addiction. Yeah, there's sorry. a difference between that. Sure, and <laughs> you got me thrown off on the drug. Oh, thing. the drug addiction. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. No, that that's really cool. I'm like a big ad, like I, I like dynamics in all things. You know, whether it's we're talking about story, and you have like you have to tell the low part of the story in order for that crescendo moment to happen where, you know, the sky opens up and the clouds are shining, you know, the, the sun's shining through the clouds and, uh, you know, and, and it's all rainbows and sunshine, but it makes those rainbows and shun- sunshine moments so much more powerful. If you've first gone to that harder place first, you know, so, mm-hmm. so that's really cool. I love hearing you guys talk about that. Um, Okay, here's a question I like to ask people a lot is when you're when you're you're done for the day, you're um you know, you're you're start, you're beginning to edit. Um you have so much footage, you have so many of these audio pieces um from the letters and the ceremony and the toast and first look and and maybe some other things. Um how do you how do you find that that anchor that opening piece that really begins to kind of set the tone for what the whole wedding film is going to be about that's a really like <laughs> broad question um I mean, yeah, I could spend forever on that. But, I mean, if you're talking specifically, are you talking like opening sound? Yeah. Or you mean just the storyline? Yeah, like your opening, yeah, your opening piece. Um, truthfully, some things, this is going to sound really silly, but some things just sound like an opening, you know. There And, and honestly, I mean, there are times where it could go both ways. Um, We had one recently where the father of the bride and his toast said something about, you know, this is the beginning of your journey together. Yep. Um, and at first I was like, well, there's my opening, but the more I listened to it, the more I was like, nope, that's an ending. Cause the way he, the way he finished mm, it, yeah, I was like, no, it sounds more like a, you know, here we are bringing it all back together. Yep. This is the beginning of your journey. And now, and then it's kind of like a sending you on your way kind of thing. Yep. Um, so sometimes it is hard cause lots of times a great opening can be a great ending too, yeah. depending on how it's worded. Um, but yeah, usually something that piques your interest just enough to keep listening. Um, and I mean, to be quite honest, if we don't have like a really, really strong opening, you know, quote from the couple or from a toast or whatever, I might just use, you know, the minister saying, you know, welcome everybody really super brief, but something that truly does feel like an opening and then get into something else as quick as I can. I'm not going to stay on that for a long time. Um, and I'm going to judge that too, by 
how they sound, what their voice sounds yep. like, if it's commanding presence or whatever. I mean, a lot of it, I hate to sound superficial, but a lot does come down to just how, you know, how someone sounds sure. when they're saying yep. it. Um, the, another one recently, Father of the Bride said something about, you know, they say life can change in an instant and mine did, but all for the better or something. And that, that was a nice little mm. tease to lead into then the full story. Yep of how his life changed. So just looking for something that either sounds like a beginning or kind of teases you or leads you into the longer story, I would say. Yeah. No, that's, I don't know. Did that answer? Appropriately? No, absolutely. <laughs> I've gotten such, uh, you know, we've, uh, we're several interviews into this series now. Uh, I think only one is posted so far as we're recording this, but, um, but I've gotten such diverse answers there. And so I, I, that's, that's one of the reasons why, rather than just interviewing different filmmakers that were going in series is because I want to hear different perspectives on all of these answers. And I think it really helps our audience to know that there's not just one way to do this. That is going to be, you know, that's going to help tell a great story. There's, there's a plethora of ways that you can kind of go at this and still tell a great story. Um, and so it's nice for our audience to hear multiple voices, um, you know, to, to, to questions like that so yeah definitely so that's really helpful um you, you talked i think we were talking maybe in the pre-show a little bit about this but um tell me like what you're doing with your couples in advance of the wedding like what are you doing so that you don't go into the wedding cold you know some of these stories in advance it's obvious like as you're telling me some of these things that you've had some discussions with your clients ahead of time that you know what some of these stories are so that you can kind of really be prepared to, to tell them well. So what does that look like for y'all? Well, we do a lot of uh, pre-interview stuff where we, you know, we have a lot of weddings where we are um, shooting on location somewhere where it's not Oklahoma. Mm. And so we just can't meet up with people. So we do a lot of Skype, um, do a lot of uh, FaceTime with them and just basically sit down and, and talk about them, mm. talk about their lives, talk about their interests. You know, I'm, I always love, do you have any dogs, do you have any pets? Because I'm a dog lover, yeah. and, you know, and I want to know if they got pets and if they'll hold them up in front of the camera so I can see them, <laughs> you know. And, and then we'll just, hold our cat up Yeah, and we'll hold our cats. And um, <laughs> it just kind of builds, you know, a relationship outside of um, a videographer client type of thing. Yep. And, uh, you know, we have really good friends now that that are past couples because we found common interests with each other mm. and we're able to continue to bond after after the wedding time but we just sit and talk about them you know we'll get to the how you met how you proposed that kind of thing and while we're talking we'll find that story that we want to focus on on the wedding day mm. and it could be simple as your the engagement story or how you met or or uh, eating disorder or, you know along along those lines and i think that's how we were able to to attract the couples that we do mm. is because, you know, we get to know them so well before wedding day and I'm not walking into the groom's room going, hi, I'm Rick, your videographer. Right. I walk in and, he, and the groom's like, Hey, it's Rick. Hey everybody. This is Rick. He's my videographer today. You know? Yeah. And, and so I think that helps quite a bit. Yeah. And it's not just one of the biggest things like Rick said is when we have those conversations, yes, we want to go over logistics and details, but not just stopping with the basics. Um, I mean, sometimes the basics are great. Sometimes that's exactly the story you want to tell. Um, the last film we posted, they had this crazy story of how they were both from the Midwest, but they were 
on vacation in the Bahamas met in the Bahamas that they'd never see each other again. Like, you know, hung out one night with a group of people and that was it. And the next thing you know, he gets transferred to Oklahoma and asks her to show him around town. And now they're getting married or well, now they are married. Um, and so the, how you met story for them, we're like, well, yeah, I mean, there you go. That love it. Perfect. Great story. And the minister brought it up and is, in his uh, homily, or I guess you could say in his message, dad brought it up in his toast. So, I mean, it was just perfect. But other times, the how you met or how did you get engaged story, even if it is sweet, it's not necessarily um, this great, compelling story. I mean, we've had people admit that, too. They're like, we met one night at a bar out with a bunch of friends. And it's like, you know, you have to, sometimes you have to really push or dig deeper to get a story that's more compelling to tell on the wedding day. And so that's why we love to make sure those conversations aren't rushed and just have fun with it and, and talk about the things that seem completely insignificant because as you just get talking about the insignificant stuff, lots of times that's where someone will say something and we'll go, Oh, there's the story we want to tell. You know, we just heard it. They don't think it because it's not how they met or not how they got engaged or not a wedding detail. Um, So yeah, just, trying to make it, like Rick said, more than just the client-vendor relationship and just trying to really get to know them. And like she said about the whole don't rush it thing, um, sometimes we'll ask, do you have any funny stories you'd want to tell? And they just sit there and go, I can't think of anything. I can't think of anything. And so if you just leave it at that, then you're kind of like, well, crap, we don't really have a story. But, you know, if you're able to continue to talk, you know, we had one couple who, um, wrote letters to each other because they were a long-distance relationship to begin with. Mm. And even though they ended up getting back, you know, into the same area of each other, they continued to write each other letters. Mm. And the groom could never get a hold of or get with the dad to ask permission to marry him. So he actually wrote him or marry, marry her. So he actually wrote a letter to the father of the bride asking permission to marry his daughter through a letter. Wow. And so we incorporated the whole letter writing and letter story into their film. It's awesome. Very cool. Um, tell me about, we, I, I mentioned this before, this um, this idea of dynamics, that there's sort of an ebb and a flow to things. Um, you know, it's it's those, those kind of slow moments that we have to have in order to kind of calm ourselves before something big happens. This happens, this is, any good storyteller does this, you know, you watch any movie and there's, you know, sort of casual dialogue that lets you breathe a little bit before the major action scene, you know, or whatever the case is. Um, Tell me how you guys, how do y'all do that? How do y'all incorporate dynamics into your storytelling? That's one of the biggest things that we teach actually at our workshops is story art. Mm. Um, and it's funny you bringing this up because going back to the debates on some of the Facebook forums recently, there's a debate right now where someone is essentially challenging the fact that any of us would call ourselves storytellers because he's saying it can't be story without conflict. You can't have story without conflict. And even though I get where he's coming from in the terms of in a movie story arc, you know, those, those peaks and valleys are created by conflict and resolution. Yep. Um, And while I understand that we don't, well, we either don't have conflict on wedding days or people typically don't want it highlighted in their wedding film if they do. Uh, But you can still 
create that feeling by not only focusing on the big moments. Mm-hmm. In an edit, not just doing, here's the big aerials, and here's the big beauty shots, and here's uh, bride walking down the aisle, and, well, first look and bride walking down the aisle, and now they're pronounced, and here's the part, like, leaving out all the in-between moments, then you lose that, um, like you said, that ebb and flow. And so it's looking for all the in-between stuff, the people just mingling and having a good time, uh, the cocktail hour, people showing up for the ceremony, and a lot of these moments that make you feel more like you are a part of the day, and also, like you said, give you that chance to breathe, instead of just, you know, everything being a big moment. Because if everything, this is what we say all the time, if, if everything is a big moment, if all you're showing are the big moments, then you can't have valleys, you can't have moments to breathe, which takes away like you said already, from the feeling of the big moment. Yeah. The more you have the valleys, the more you build to the peaks, and the more powerful those moments are. Yep. Um, it's not like it's a shock. We all are expecting them to get married. If the marriage, for some reason, gets called off, there's probably not going to be a video put out. Yeah. So we all know what's coming, but if you build to it appropriately, it still has a, yeah, a certain impact, a certain emotional tug um if you build to it right and don't just have this kind of even keel Mm. and then here's everything big and it's just you know don't if you don't follow a story arc you lose some of that emotional ride that you take people on that emotional journey yeah awesome so when you're this is this is along not exactly the same but along the same lines here um I find that there's there's people who who do more it's almost linear in their storytelling not not quite they'll kind of jump around a little bit um from you know one scene to the next especially if they're trying to find those audio pieces to mix in um and then other people who are kind of all over the place back and forth between you know dancing and then there's the first look and then they're saying their vows and that kind of thing where do you guys kind of find a balance where do where do y'all land in that I, th- I feel like I'm talking too much. It's okay. You no, want me to stand, yeah, You're good. Um, this is your expertise part of the, <laughs> the business. So. I think we kind of fall in the middle because really the majority of our time shifting, if you even want to call it that, um, is just with the audio. Yeah. The, yeah, we'll, we'll pull the audio from all over the place to however it weaves together better and tells the story best. Yep. Um, visually, we are pretty linear. Yeah, me too. Um, Outside of, like, maybe we'll have a little opening montage of some kind that maybe shows the first look before it actually, you know, before we show anything else. Or um, does a tiny little recap of a bunch of things before you jump into the more linear edit of the rest of the day. Yeah. Um, That's kind of how I am, too. I like, I think you have to, like, you have to introduce the characters kind of early on, I think. Mm -hmm. I've I've watched a number of wedding videos where I'm, like, two minutes into it. And I still don't know who the bride and groom are. I'm just like, wait, what am I? Yeah. What am I watching here? You know. So yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you in that same spot. Yeah, Sarah does. Sarah does all of our creative editing. So when you ask, you know, the creative editing questions, I uh, I let her answer those questions. But one thing I know that she said in a couple of our retreats is that you never want to see the bride and the groom together before you see them at the first look, or if you see them, you know. Um, uh, her walking down the aisle, down the aisle you know? yeah. and that helps build like you were talking about the ebb and flow of stuff that helps build because if 
they've already seen each other, then it's it's a weird thing to, in your mind to yeah then not then see them getting ready and stuff like that. So yeah, I don't know. That just popped no, in my that, head when you were talking about. That's really that. good. I haven't thought of it in that way. I've never done that, but but I haven't ever thought of it in that way. But I've I've talked to people about before, like just like whenever they do t- do that time shift a lot, and they're like dancing uh, at their you know they're dancing, but then he's putting on his shoes next, and then you know they're saying their vows and she's tying her dress up. I'm like, this is just confusing to me. And I couldn't put my finger on why, but that's, that's why you've answered the why there. It's because, and I just wonder, you know, sorry. No, go ahead. Still, I thought you were done. Here. No, sure. go okay. for it. Um, there's, you know, on occasion we'll break that rule. Um, but usually with very specific reasons. Sure. Um, like, like I said, if I do some kind of opening montage or something, but then you use a title or you use something to kind of reset, yeah, reset mm. the, you know, you realize that was like an opening montage, and now we're getting into the actual course of the wedding day. Yeah, um, I think once or twice, if I had a real um, powerful chorus on a song and I felt like it looked cool to go to their first dance there before the actual reception, I might, but made sure I had some kind of beauty shots that you know fade in and out of it something that makes it feel like you know we're skipping ahead here and the music pushes it along but if i do that i really think about it and and to be quite honest there have been times where i've done that and i've gone back later and been like oh i kind of am questioning this decision now yeah um but yeah we try to not use any cover footage of the couple together until in the linear timeline they have actually seen each other yeah um which I know sometimes can be hard because, you know, there's a lot of wedding films out there that are like, you know, 80, 90 percent footage of the couple like the, mm. the, the I I always said photo session. Someone called it romantics once and now right. Rick likes to say romantics. That's romantics. the thing, the romantics, yeah. um, you know, lots of footage of the romantics. And if that's your style, there's no way you can wait until halfway through the video to right. to start showing it. But we, you know, if that's not in some kind of opening scene, those shots for us are, are always held off. Um, until after the first look or after the ceremony, you know, processional has happened. Yeah, for sure. No, I definitely, it's interesting because I fall as I've never, like I said, I never really put it that way, but I, I have always followed that rule as well, except if I'm doing a multi-day shoot, of course, you know, if it's, if I've done the rehearsal dinner or something like that, that's kind of the only exception for me, but that's, that's cool. Um, and I guess we should clarify too. We don't like audio wise. Again, if their vows are a major part of the audio track, that's one thing. But when it's the cover footage, the B roll, I think mm. you're establishing a certain feeling. And so, sure, yep, makes sense. So um, let's talk a little bit about some of the tools that you're using because they are. Um, Everything is peripheral to story, in my opinion. And, of course, people are going to take varying stances on that. But uh, particularly when you start getting into um, weddings that you can start charging a lot more for, it's all about the story. Um, you're, if, you're just, if you're just doing basically a music video, you know, you're probably never going to break the three to $4,000 mark. Um, and so... Um, everything's peripheral to story, but the gear is important in kind of how we do that, you know? And so, um, I, for me, it's like, 
I kind of take the the approach of I like to use gear that gets out of my way to help me tell the story. Um, what do, what are you guys using? What's uh, in terms of let's talk let's talk cameras first. What are you guys doing? Camera lens stabilizer setup like what what's kind of like your home base like what you're mostly on for the day well i loved our uh 5d mark threes uh, when we had them mm-hmm. and sarah was like we've got to switch to these sony a7s mm-hmm. and i was like i don't know man i love these cannons but we switched mm-hmm. and uh, now we have the a7s2 and i don't know that i could switch back i mean it's just yeah. it's such an amazing camera and we don't get paid we don't get sponsored by sony or anything like that Unfortunately. I, wish we, I wish we did if there's yeah. a sony rep out there <laughs> yeah, i know a guy we pump your yeah. rick and sarah at pinweddings.com you can uh, i know a guy we had him on Somebody... episode two <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah. Well, someone even said that to us once. They were like, are you guys like getting kickbacks from Sony? Because you sure are selling this camera. I'm like, no, I wish we were. Yeah. Sarah can talk more about the, the skin tones and the way it colors and stuff like that. But I just love, uh, I love its sharpness. I love the the focus assist tool that it has in there because I have horrible eyes. And so I need uh, help uh, yep. focusing more than uh, I wear. I wear readers when yeah. I shoot. Yeah. So I can see that little bitty screen on the back, yep. and uh, just the the little bitty portability of it. It's so small and, and compact, yep. and I didn't think I would like that because I, I did like the, the you know the big sturdy five D in yeah. my hand when I got that. And we don't use the the battery grip, so it's still just like it is, and uh, it works awesome. And we use adapters. Maybe that's why Sony won't like us because we still use Canon lenses. <laughs> but uh, we use the Metabone adapters to uh, yeah. to make our Sony lenses work or our Canon lenses work on it, and, and other lenses too. I mean, yeah. we we have Tamron and and uh, Sigma, and, Sigma. Yeah, we have a bunch of different lenses. Um, so yeah, a pretty wide variety of lenses now. Um, when I mean, we first started, I carried two in my bag. Yeah, I mean, early on, we were pretty much twenty four to seventy, seventy to two hundred, uh, mm-hmm. and not like believe me, I we totally see the difference in primes versus zooms. I mean, we see the beauty, but we also know that a lot of people say that and don't understand just how many people don't know the difference. Like yep. people who who will talk about how, oh, we never shoot on anything but primes. But then you watch their videos, you're like, okay, like I, you focus on, like you said, focus on storytelling, focus on something else. Sure. But like, that's their big thing. Um, and... And again, not to dog that if people are doing it and doing it well, but people who think like that's the end all be all because we have over the years always gotten like messages from people on YouTube. And this even goes back to when we were like even mixing in 60D footage with our Mark threes and people are like, are you guys shooting on reds? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> no. And and this is like obviously if someone's asking are you shooting on a red it's typically not the average person I mean these are other sure. videographers yeah, who yeah. can't tell the difference um, so I mean now yeah we have a wider variety of lenses and we have twenty four and thirty five and fifty and um, we do have several primes now mixed in with our zooms but when we started out it's pretty pretty minimalistic um, Manfrotto tripods uh, we I always mispronounce it the monopods that look like siri but that's not it sir surrey surrey something Sur- i think that. it's maybe um, surrey yeah. surrey yeah. okay yeah um i always pronounce that one wrong but those are our monopods cool uh Kessler still slider yeah 
when we use it. Um, still have the trusty glide cam. Yep. We've taken the Ronin M on a wedding a couple of times, and uh, I love it for corporate work, mm. but didn't like it for the bulk of carrying on a wedding. It's just the two of us. We don't have an assistant who's like helping us carry gear or anything. Right. Having to have a stand, having to worry about whether it gets thrown off balance. Yep. Um, I like the fact that I can toss my glide cam in the car and not worry that I'm breaking some expensive piece of electronics. Yep. Because we beat our gear up pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. <I'm with laughs> we you. don't baby it. <laughs> I'm with you. Yep. There's no time to baby it on a wedding day. I know. So. I'm like, I need to be able to drop this on the ground and switch to monopod in a heartbeat and not worry about setting it down delicately or whatever, which I know that may sound like that's not a big deal. But when you're trying to run and gun and carry a bunch of stuff and switch back and forth, um, yeah, something that's easy and can take a beating and not break or whatever is definitely a big help. And we do um, do aerials, not always, just depends on the setting. We have a Phantom 3 Pro right now. Um, we want to get a Mavic. I wasn't completely sold early on on the Mavics, but at the retreats, um, Scott with Drone Flight School has been bringing his Mavic with him. And the for the portability, for the size, for how quiet it is, mm-hmm. it's amazing. And the image quality is right on par with the Phantom 3 Pro. It's not quite there with the Phantom 4 Pro, so that was where we were torn. I was like, I want to go to the Phantom 4 Pro for the image. Right. Um, but then being able to actually see and hear the Mavic and see its image quality, as much as we travel, we're like, oh, that's that's a no-brainer now. If we were doing all weddings at home, I would do the four. But since we travel a lot, yeah, I want to get the Mavic. Yeah. And to be able to pop it out of your bag and just flip the flip the arms out and I mean, put it on the ground That thing fly. is just tiny. It's amazing. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you can you can be in the air in 45 seconds. I mean, it's just... And yeah. that's one less carry-on for yeah, us one on less carry-on. flights. Yeah. One, or one less carry-on bag. Oh, hey, what... Here, you want to, come here. You want to come say hi? Speaking of, well, we spoke of this earlier because I said I don't know if he's going to jump up now. <laughs> oh, Trying here. to show off the cat. Talk for a sec, yeah. <laughs> All right. So I'm talking for a second. Here. That's okay. Oh, this is what we do oh, with couples. There it is. We say hi, meet the cat. Got to show off the cat. Which isn't going to make a lot of sense on the podcast. Well, we if not, they're showing off their, their black cat here. So. <laughs> There's a dog awesome. in a cat's body. That's funny. Okay. Uh. No, that's cool. Yeah, I, I, I went with the Phantom Four Pro because I'm doing mostly like Central Texas stuff. You know, I mean, I'll, I just got back from a trip where I was three hours away, but, um, but I'm just going in my car, you know. So, but yeah, I I'm almost considering buying the Mavic in addition to it for when I do travel because just I mean throwing that in one of the little dividers in my you know, in my suitcase bag would be amazing, mm-hmm. you know, so. I Which feel, is yeah. not helping my cause any, because Rick was like, well, let's just get both. I'm like, we're not getting both right now. We have no choice, Phantom 4 Pro or Mavic. You don't get Jordan's both. got a great idea. Yeah, you know. <laughs> it's only a couple thousand. The Mavic's only like the grand, right? And then this one was 1500 yeah. so, yeah. Yeah. Maybe just both. <laughs> it's, tax, it's tax deductible. It's exactly. expense. What about uh what about with audio? What are you guys doing audio gear wise? Uh we have a Sony recorder actually that's discontinued now, although we just bought um the new Tascam to give it a whirl. Uh the I'm totally blanking right now on the name, the DR10L, is that right? Um the little one, the itty bitty one that yep. like fits in the palm of your hand. Yep. Um for like pocket recorder um for the couple and for the minister and 
Um, sorry. <laughs> you said the couple. Are you putting one on the bride as well? Yes. You are. Tell me how you do that. Um, I reached. No. <laughs> <laughs> you don't do anything. Uh, do anything. Um, uh, we have thigh braces that are like made for stage performers, like theatrical performers to hide mic packs. Okay. Um, that goes around, uh, goes around the bride's thigh and the recorder goes in that. And then the mic itself is either clipped or taped inside the dress. And you have to do it. I mean, when the dress is going on, so it stays on from the moment the dress goes on to post ceremony. Yep. Um, we've only ever had really one or two people that were hesitant. Maybe um, the only time we got like a flat out no, it wasn't even the bride. The bride was cool with it, and the planner was like, "We're not doing that." Um, so most people are pretty cool with it, and we can judge too usually whether it's something we want to push or not. If, if it's if there's not a first look and it's an indoor ceremony and they're not doing personal vows and we know it's just, you know, the traditional say and repeat kind of vows, mm-hmm. we don't press it. Um, but if it's like an outdoor wedding where we know we're going to have a lot of ambient noise, where we know we've got a creek running behind the ceremony or something like that, or super windy beach wedding, those are the times where we'll where we'll really push it and it can be... It can be a pretty big lifesaver. Yeah, and the bride's mic actually saved us on a on a beach wedding where, since it was tucked inside, it really had a nice wind, you know, block. Right. And the minister's mic was ruined, and the and the groom's mic was ruined. Minister was okay. Was it but, all right? Okay. And we even had, I mean, we had a we had dead kittens on both the minister and groom's mics. Yeah. And even with that, um, it was just the direction of the wind too. Aside from the fact that the bride's mic was more shielded, like by being in the dress. The wind was at her back. Yeah. And so it was hitting the groom's mic really bad. Yep. And his audio sounded terrible, and we pulled his vows off of her mic. Yeah. So what do you do? Are you you just taping it directly on there with or without a windscreen? How does it deal with, like, rustle of clothes? If it's taped on the dress itself, you're usually okay. That's usually the best. It's um, There have been a couple times where we... Uh, which we need to do that more often. There've been times where we clipped it on, you know, a bra or something. And yeah, the dress, if there's too much movement, you'll hear that rustle. Um, we did get some undercovers recently to play around with those and see if that helps too. But if it's anytime we've had it clipped directly to the dress or taped to the dress, it's not been an issue because it typically, you know, it doesn't rub on their skin. Yep. Uh, so when the dress moves, the mic moves with it, I guess. You don't get that same sound that you get of the fabric rubbing against it if it's clipped to something else. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, there have been times where it's not been perfect because of that. But 90% of the time, it's been great. And we do try now to tape more inside of the dress for that reason. Yeah. So the dress isn't rubbing on the mic. Okay, so I'm I'm gonna keep asking questions about this because I feel like this is like one of those uh, this is one of those things I've seen on the forums where people are you know very split about it. I mean, and there's some like you know sometimes people are getting angry about this topic, right? <laughs> and and up to other people like me, it's just like a complete mystery because I've never even like I mean I've considered it, but I'm like, what would I do? And how awkward is this gonna be? And all those kind of things. So. Obviously, you're the one who's doing it, Sarah. Um, like, t- talk to me. 
Rick's pouting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Terrible. Talk to me about like the logistics of how like your process. Like how do, how do you do that in process as she's getting ready? Um, we let her know as well as the photographer, and we we talk about this ahead of time too. When we do our like our Skype or our FaceTime date or when we meet, you know, we'll bring this up so it's not like a shocker on the day of the wedding, like this out of the blue. Right. I'm sorry, you want to put what on me under my dress? Yep. Um, we check out the dress too to see what the materials like, how tight fitting it is. Yep. Because there, I mean, there are some dresses where it's just super hard to hide. Um. But we will tell them, get decent. Just, like, get your dress to where you're you're decent, but don't zip or button anything. And we let the photographer know, you know, we're going to jump in, but as soon as I'm done doing this, I'll back off again. I don't want you to think I'm going to be, like, right there the whole time she's getting ready. Um, but, yeah, once she's decent, I go in, put the thigh brace on, and say, just reach your hand down front and meet my hand to pull the mic up. I know some people, too, will actually take the mic, the log part, and tape it inside of the dress before the bride gets in it. And that way when she just in dangling. it, the mic's already there. Yeah, and then plug it into the recorder. So that's another way to do it. That seems um, like maybe the most decent way if a male has yeah. to do it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So it's already, the mic itself is already there. Yeah. Uh, and then you just have to screw it into the recorder. Um, and I, I mean, there have been times too where if I can tell someone's fairly modest and I'll, I'll just holler at like the maid of honor. I'll be like, Hey, so you come over here and reach this up to her and yep. help do this and just kind of talk them through yeah. how to do it and where to clip it. And, um, then after the ceremony, I'll go take it off, which is really pretty easy. Cause all you do, I mean, if it's taped, it's the easiest. You just tug, I mean, just tug it out of there, grab the thigh brace, just like you're grabbing a garter or whatever, yep. and just pull on the mic and pull it down. Um, if it's clipped, we will tell them, you know, you have to reach in, undo the clip, take the clip off of the mic first. Because if you try to pull that through the dress, scratch the clip or something, inevitably yeah. gets, yeah, scratches them or gets stuck on something. Yep. Um, and then just pull it down. And that way they're not wearing it the rest of the night. I think we, one time, and for the life of me, I'm totally blanking on who it is. But one time we had someone um, who was in a dress. Oh, it was Shiny and Mark in Texas. Her The bride's style of dress, she, without like undoing a bunch of things couldn't get in there to unclip it right um and i was like well do you want to step aside in a room real quick she was like it's not bothering me i don't care and she wore it the whole night yeah i was like i don't even notice it until everything was over because we're like this is not going to be as easy to take off so what do you think about that now like if it's a dress that isn't strapless and isn't gonna have easy access (laughs) later on right (laughs) um to do tape instead of a clip so you definitely after the ceremony can just tug it out and not worry about the fact that it's clipped in there the duration of the evening or whatever yep and i've seen some of the the conversations about whether or not to to mic the bride or not you know on facebook and and things and a lot of people you know the opinion well i get good enough audio from the groom you know i need to worry about it and that's true most of the time you you will but if you have a groom that's emotional you know and if he's sniffling or whatever during her vows you can't boost that mic without hearing that that sniffling and so it just really saves you uh, if if the bride will let you do it, uh, you know, might as well because I mean, yeah. it's another it's another audio source, and you know we're so big on audio that any you know as many sources as we can get for audio, we we take the opportunity to do it. Absolutely. And I was hesitant at first too. When we first started doing it, I I mean it, 
I was not someone who was immediately like sold on the idea. It took some real thinking about it and kind of testing the waters with some brides who I knew were pretty easy going to see how they reacted. Um, as long as you tell them up front, this is something we're going to try. And as long as you're chill about it, I mean, we're always like, we want to give it a try, but Hey, if we put it on and you're uncomfortable or if it doesn't hide if under your dress, well, then we'll take it off and, and deal with it. Yep. Um, you know, we want to make sure that we're always very open about it and not like, this is something we're doing and you don't have a choice and you'll do it and like it. Sure, yeah. Uh, we want to be, you know, let them know we don't want you to be uncomfortable, but we'd like to give it a try, especially, like I said, if it's an outdoor wedding or something like that. And right. They've always been cool about it. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I've always been really intrigued by the idea of doing it because there's, you know, sometimes sometimes it's just that there's a really soft-spoken bride, you know, and so she's, oh, yeah. she's almost like whispering her vows, and you can't get that from the groom, you know, or, you mm-hmm. know, you do, but, you know, it brings up all the noise that's going on outside with her voice, and it just sounds awful. Um, so this is like, a, this is opening up the mystery here for me and I know lots of other <laughs> listeners about what sounds to me like a really fantastic way to do this. Um, I think so. I think as long as you approach it, I don't know if delicately is the right word, but, you know, as long as you don't approach it in a, in a demanding way, as long as you make it sound like it's no big, you know, we've got this brace, it's like for theatrical performers, it makes it sound even more like... You know, we're not rigging something up that's out of the normal. This is something that is made for this purpose. Yeah. I saw and one where somebody was using like a like a gun ankle holster, and I was just like, what? "Yeah, I've heard some people do that too." But I'm like, oh. "They have those. They have yeah. yeah, the braces that we use. You can buy ankle, thigh, or waist." Okay. Yeah, this one was like we made for like a you know like a like a revolver or something. I was like, "That's uh, kind of <laughs> awkward." <laughs> Uh, nope, these are made for Mike yeah, Max specifically. The, that's the Annie Oakley bride. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. We did have a groom once who was packing. Oh yeah, on the wedding day. Nice. Well, you know, they a yeah. lot of times they did like like back in the day they did the swords, like you know. Yeah. So there you go. You never know. Yep, you never know. <laughs> what about for um for other moments? Like you guys include audio from other moments in your films, like you know, not just the big moments. Are you just doing on camera, like the 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 on camera mic? Are you putting a, a shotgun mic on there, or what? What are you doing to record audio for those other moments? Yes. <laughs> yes, to all, all, all of the, the above. above. Yeah. yeah. We'll mic them up still sometimes. Like if they're telling a story or whatever, we'll put a lav and a recorder on them. Yeah. Um. But yeah, shotgun on camera. Um. And I'm trying to think. Do you record like? like sound like some like the sound effects and things like that just like little things like glasses clinking doors opening or anything like that on Um, on camera not like separately but yes on on camera camera with um and we do have two i mean lots of times if it's strictly background noise if you're not bringing like nat sound full if you're not doing a bunch of sound effects with music if it's all under dialogue right then even just straight on camera for me at least is totally fine it's so soft background ambient um but the um the recorder we have the shotgun we have is a sure model that has its own internal recording as well so while you can Mm. you know plug it into the camera and it's recording in camera it also has an internal micro sd card 
And What's that so one called? That Do you audio, know? I can pick it up right now. That's actually what <laughs> we're using oh, really? for our good audio of the podcast. So I might sound funny for a second. Uh, the Shore Lenshopper VP83F. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess for the recording, I can cool show it as well. Awesome. Um, but yeah, it's with the internal micro SD card, you get much cleaner sound, much, much, much cleaner uh, than you do what's going through the camera, obviously, since you're just getting it straight through the mic. Yeah. And so if we want to use audio of laughter or telling a story or cheers or, you know, whatever, where we have that rolling, we'll typically sync it up with the separate audio recording. Yep. Um, because that audio just sounds so much better. And we've just started not even plugging it into the camera, just using the camera's regular mic for audio that goes into the camera and then rolling on the SD card that's on the microphone itself. Mm. And so it's worked really well just mm. to not even have it plugged in, but be rolling on it because it's got its own recording device. Yeah. Very cool. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, well, we are coming up on an hour, so um, I want to shift. Um, I always do, um, and, and I don't always give my guests a, a heads up on this, but I always like to do a pick of the week, and so I'll start so you guys can think about it if you need to. But it's it's any product, any uh, service, any education piece, um, any movie you've watched that's given you inspiration that's somehow related to making better wedding films. Um, so I'll start just to give you guys a minute to think about it. And then I'm gonna let both of you give a pick of the week. Um, mine is this little product called dubs. Um, dubs are acoustic filters. Um, and you can get them for like 20 bucks on Amazon. Basically what it is, is it's these little pieces, um, that you stick in your ear and oh they're the earplugs right but they exactly. sorry i'm totally cutting that's off okay now, yeah yeah filter out like the loud music right yeah they basically bring or... the volume down so like there's nothing electronic about them um they're just earplugs but they have like little tiny little holes in them so you can it's not the sound isn't muffled so like i can still have conversation with my assistant um but it's brought the volume way down so i can like walk right in front of a speaker if i need to to get the shot without my eardrums suffering the consequences. Um, yeah, we need to get those totally. <laughs> yeah, these are Definitely. amazing, and they uh, they're very tiny. Um, they're out of here because they're in my camera bag across there because I was using <laughs> them. But this was in my pocket from um, the other day, anyways. But yeah, they're twenty bucks on Amazon. Um, they'll make sure that when you uh, you're ready to retire, that you can hear your grandkids um, because you were at a party every weekend um so i think they're really important and they help me tell better stories because they make me not afraid to walk right in front of the speaker and suffer the consequences in order to get the shot on the dance floor so that's my pro uh my pick of the week dubs acoustic filters do you want to go or you want me to go you go first i go i'll go i know what I'm, unless you don't know what you want to say well i have a i want to hear what you're going to say because i have a guess well my favorite movie of all time oh, no. uh -oh. <laughs> Is, I uh, thought no. I thought since you said an educational something that Rick was going to pimp out the wedding film retreat. Oh no! <laughs> I, th I saw the look on your face. Oh, no, I was no. like, we'll have time for that too. Okay. We'll have time for that too. Okay. <laughs> no, my favorite movie of all time is Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, um, such a good one. It's a great, it's a great story movie. Yep. But it also is a great cinematic movie. Mm -hmm. Even though you know 
you don't may not think of it as a cinematic movie. It has solid cinematography in it, mm-hmm. um, and that's uh, to say it, it inspires me for wedding film may be a stretch, but I'm inspired by you know its visuals, yeah, and and to think about you know just the the different angles that they use and the different perspectives that they use throughout the movie. Um, I guess could influence you, uh, you know, when you're when you're shooting a wedding yeah. as well. I mean, simple simple shots, but um, those simple shots can go a long way too on a wedding day if you're shooting prep or you're shooting, you know, just shots of the church stuff like that. Yep. So I would say Shawshank. Great pick. Uh, well, I feel like I'm gonna say almost the same thing you just did, except since you said a movie you've seen recently. Um, last week we watched Arrival. Mm. And if you haven't seen it, oh my gosh. Uh, and there were several moments in it where just the the shot and silence was super powerful. And it was almost a little reminder to me. I mean, I've always loved using sound effects and just letting a beautiful shot sit. But as we've gotten more and more into having longer stories to tell and these um, certain couples where we really do have like an a super long story we want to try to cram in their video. Um, It was a nice little reminder to me to not get away from those subtle moments where, you know, let it breathe, not just visually, not just talking about like story arc and peaks and valleys and whatever, but let there be silence and power in the silence and power in Mm. a beautiful, just a shot with nothing else or minimal music or whatever. Um, yeah, there was some really moving stuff in that one, and that uh, it did make me think about certain things on a wedding day, how I would approach certain moments, um, and telling a story, but remembering to let there be silence some too, and just let the visual, yeah, say its own piece, I guess. <laughs> yeah, two great picks. Yeah, I think if you haven't done this before, um, to our listeners, like if you're ever watching you're watching TV or you're watching a movie, try to think, spend a little bit of your mind energy. I mean, you know, enjoy the story, but, but try to spend a little bit of your mind energy thinking about why you find this particular shot compelling, you know, and, and put that in your memory bank because, um, because then your movie ticket is a tax write off. I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, but, but it's a good way to look at it. Exactly. That's totally foolproof. I think, you know, uh, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Uh, no, but but because uh, I think watching a good cinematographer do their thing is going to make you better. Um, it, it's like you know, with with anything, when you watch someone who's really a master of their craft and you study them, you will become better at your craft. Um, so, so two really great picks. Thanks, guys. Um, so I want to let you guys, I, I gave a very short plug for this at the beginning of the show, but, but you guys are not only great wedding filmmakers, you're also teaching other people to do that. So tell me a little bit more about what you guys are doing in the education space. Want me to go over you again? I'm trying to give Rick a chance to, uh, uh well, <laughs> we, uh, we decided at some point. I guess last year or two, and I and we had some interest from people, you know, asking us if, we, if we'd ever done workshops before, and we had not. Um, so we just kind of finally took the leap and said, let's let's do something. And so we decided that we wanted to do, we wanted to do kind of a small group 
kind of uh, a retreat. So we did about we're doing six of them. We've done five already. We've got one more in a few weeks up in Pennsylvania. But we just kind of we liked the small group atmosphere because you know we wanted to be able to build relationships with people, yep. which is kind of what we do with our couples. Um, but we also wanted to have you know that one-on-one um, kind of one-on-one uh, interaction. So there wasn't just a mass of people, you know, where where the attendance could get lost in, in um, just the conference. So we wanted everyone to be able to participate. And there was one thing that I always um, going to Weavas or going to Infocuses or WPPIs or whatever conference you go to, there was really never any hands-on um, type stuff. Yeah. And I know the last Infocus, we did some hands-on things, but uh, that was very important to me that, you know, we, we were able to have hands-on sessions so people could get their hands-on gear, hands-on uh, trying to do some <laughs> techniques uh, that they may not have been familiar with. You know, I always wanted to go and go and learn something that I didn't already know yeah. working with the camera. And so we decided that that would be a major part of our retreats. And I think it's been a pretty good success. And I don't know, by the time this podcast actually goes out, we might be past the last one, but it is something we want to do again yep. in some capacity in 2018. Um, and we do one-on-one mentoring too. It's something, funny thing is we've never advertised it. It's always just been people requesting it. Um, so we've done it always on an as requested basis. We need to get it up on our website too and actually put it out there. Uh but yeah, we've done a lot of one-on-one mentoring, usually from people saying, do you guys ever do workshops? Do you ever teach? Do you ever? And we're like, oh yeah, we do mentoring, but that's about it. And so that's why, you know, another reason we wanted to come up with the workshops was um, something to actually put out there and something that wasn't just us though. We have other people who speak at the workshop when we do it in future years, we want to bring in other people um, and make it, you know, a fun event. Like Rigardi said, that it's not just classroom time, that it is time to get to know each other, to hang out, to have dinner together. Um, we've had a bonfire at every single one of them, or at least fire pit and s'mores over a fire pit yeah. or bonfire. Uh, Cause you know, that's one of the things that's easy to kind of lose sight of right now. We're getting into such a point in time where everyone's like, well, anything I need, I can, I can learn on the internet. I don't need to get together with people. I don't need to do this. And we're kind of losing that human interaction aspect that we got out of conferences and workshops in years past and seeing friends you haven't seen for months or years or would only see because of events like this. So it was important to not only make it a teaching event, but also a fun get together for the people who attend a true getaway. Yeah. And some of the best conversations happen over s'mores yeah. over <laughs> yep. a smoky fire pit. Yep. And uh, um, I'll be sad. I'll be honest. I'll be sad when, when our last retreat is over because it's kind of been fun to look forward to meeting the new attendees, going to a different place, experiencing their stories too, because it's not only us telling stories that we've uh, encountered, but I learn a lot from, from the attendees that come and, you know, because they're telling us how they do things. And a lot of times I'm like, well, that's a pretty darn good idea. Yeah, <laughs> We should probably start doing that. Yep. Um, so it, it goes both ways. It, you know, we're pretty open, um, and teaching what what we do, kind of because we're kind of in the mindset of if everybody's doing better work, then our industry gets more respect, yep. and maybe we can charge more, you know, type of thing in our own businesses. Yeah. And so it's it's kind of a, a a win-win for everybody, I think. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. Well, I appreciate what you guys are doing, um, and and 
elevating the industry as a whole, both through your work and through your education, um, for coming on this show um, and and teaching myself and our listeners uh, a ton about making better stories. This has been really awesome. Um, where can our guests go to find? I mean, our our listeners go uh, to find <laughs> to find more about you. Um, well, I would say the two websites, WeddingFilmRetreat.com is the one for the actual retreats. Um, and then, like I said, we really will be adding some more stuff to our own website right now. Uh, I mean, there's already a lot of stuff on there, just our work and about us and fun things about our pets, of course, on our site, um, PenWeddings.com. And that's just one end, just like a pen you write with, P-E-N, Weddings.com. So yeah, WeddingFilmRetreat.com and PenWeddings.com are probably the best places to go to learn a little more about us and and the fun stuff we have planned or are doing already check us out on facebook i mean we yeah we put some stupid stuff on facebook so i'm gonna <laughs> warn you right now awesome that uh you may you may hear some funny and stupid we're things. not very private oh. I, I joke that i'm the queen of tmi so yeah we <laughs> we're pretty much an open book awesome awesome well thanks again for being on the show this has been really excellent The Wedding Film Academy podcast is produced by Taylor Juarez. If you found this episode helpful, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show and help us out by leaving a five-star review on iTunes. And when you're done, head on over to WeddingFilmAcademy.org to chat with our other wedding filmmakers like yourself in the comments section. Until next time, keep making movie magic.